Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. A lot going on with education around the world and uh, around the United States and Florida. We'll visit with Keith about that. Also, Bob Rommel is our state representative. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. And former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. <clears throat> it is August the 12th, and on this day in 1776, General George Washington wrote to Major General Charles Lee that the Continental Army situation had deteriorated due to an outbreak of smallpox and problems with desertion. Washington feared that the superior British Navy might blockade New York, thus isolating the city from communications with other states. Washington was correct that the British had intended to capture New York City and gain control of the Hudson River, a victory that would divide the rebellious colonies in half. British General William Howe's large army landed on Long Island. However, 10 days later, they had planned on August 22nd. Finally, on August 27th, the Redcoats marched against the Patriot positions at Brooklyn Heights, overcoming the Americans at Gowanus Pass, and then outflanking the entire Continental Army. The Americans suffered 1,000 casualties to the British loss of only 400 men during the fighting. After the victory, Howe chose not to follow the advice of his subordinates and did not storm the Patriot redoubts at Brooklyn Heights, where he could have taken the Patriots' military leadership prisoner and ended the rebellion. George Washington <clears throat> ordered a retreat to Manhattan by boat. The British could easily have pretended, prevented the retreat and captured most of the Patriot officer corps including Washington himself. General William Howe and his brother, Admiral Richard Howe, however, stopped, still hoped to convince the Americans to rejoin the British Empire in the wake of the humiliating defeat instead of forcing the former colonies into submission after executing Washington and his officers as traitors. Indeed, on September the 11th, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and other congressional representatives reopened negotiations with Howe's brothers on Staten Island. The negotiations fell through when the British refused to accept American independence. The British captured New York City. On September the 15th, it would remain in British hands until the end of the war. And it's so exciting. Uh, the, uh, pa uh, Patrick O'Donnell wrote The Indispensables, and it takes us through the actual battles and uh, some of the scenes and it is just an amazing, amazing book. I just encourage you, if you have any understanding or wanting to understand further the uh, revolution, uh, take a look at The Indispensables by Patrick O'Donnell. Well, Hurricane or Tropical Storm Fred weakened to a tropical depression Wednesday after moving over central Hispaniola, bringing heavy rains and possible flooding to parts of Haiti and Dominican Republic, according to the National Hurricane Center. Fred has a maximum sustained winds about 35 miles an hour with higher gusts and little to no change in strength due to uh, expected overnight. This is at 11 o'clock last night. Though some restrengthening is forecast to begin uh, tonight. Tropical storm warnings for the Dominican Republic have been discontinued, the cone suggests. 
as I look at it anyhow, that it should be in our area on around Saturday morning, perhaps west of us. And hopefully, if it doesn't strengthen, it will be uh, just a very windy and rainy day. That is the sixth storm, storm, name storm of 2021 in the hurricane season and first name storm in August, breaking a month-long lull after Hurricane Elsa formed in July the 9th. Don't know if you're watching uh, Mike Lindell's Cyber Symposium. Uh, today is the final day, and I encourage you to take a look at it. Uh, you can you, uh, It's on frankspeech.com, but frankspeech.com has been taken down by Mike Lindell because of so many attempts at hacking it. They do not want this story to get out. Some great information. It's developing as we, to- as we speak. You can go to RSBN, Right Side Broadcast Network. That's one place. It's on rumble.com. Uh, both apps are on Apple at the App Store if, you, uh, if you'd like to watch the symposium. But it's really quite interesting, and it's chock full of lots of information about the election. So I encourage you to check it out at least for half an hour, an hour, if you can. Well, a teacher at Loudoun County Public Schools in Virginia resigned during a school board meeting over the district's critical race theory training program, which he says labeled her as an oppressor due to her skin color and is pushing highly politicized agendas onto the children's most, the country's most vulnerable constituents, the children. Within the last year, I was, and this is a quote from her, I was in one of my so-called equity trainings that white, Christian, able-bodied females currently have the power in our schools and that this is, has to change, teacher Laura Morris said during a uh, Tuesday's Loudoun County School Board meeting. Clearly, you've made your point, Morris continued. You no longer value me or many other teachers you employed in this county. So since my contract outlines the power that you have over my employment in Loudoun County Public Schools, I thought it necessary to resign in front of you School board, I quit, she affirmed. I quit your policies, I quit your training, I quit being a cog in the machine that tells me to push highly politicized agendas to our most vulnerable constituents, the children. I will find employment elsewhere. I encourage all parents and staff in the county to flood the private schools, she said. During the remarks, Morris also pointed out that the school board's lack of consideration for the growing population of concerned citizens in this division clearly evidenced by the empty room tonight where you shut the doors uh, to the public. Morris also alleged that Loudoun County Superintendent told her last year that expressing dissenting opinions is not allowed. The teacher added that the superintendent went as far as to say, send a form to my colleagues and I encouraging us to fill it out when we hear one another speaking against controversial policies being promoted by the school board. Well, I think, uh, quite frankly, the school board is tone deaf because they're not understanding uh, the ire of people who are really upset about critical race theory and the other things that are being the propaganda that's being taught in schools. Well, I'm sure Keith Flaw and I will have an opportunity to talk a little bit about this uh, in, in the show. Well, the Democratic-led Senate voted to authorize more than $4 trillion of federal spending in less than 24 hours between Tuesday and Wednesday morning. The Senate passed a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, which includes $517 billion in new spending and a reauthorization of funding for the highway bill. The Senate moved to debate on Wednesday's filibuster-proof $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation proposal, the framework for the plan authorizing the level of federal spending passed in a 50-49 to vote early Wednesday morning. That was at 3.50 a.m. 
reconciliation bill includes new spending programs re, uh, related to tuition-free community college, universal pre-K, support for child care and Medicaid expansion. It contains tax increases such as corporate tax rate hike to pay for part of the bill. One of the proposals is turned into a formal legislative language. It will be put up for a final vote on the Senate floor. It can pass with every Democrat senator's vote plus Vice President Kamala Harris as the tie-breaking vote. The Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget estimates that both the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the Democrats' budget reconciliation plan will ultimately cost more than Congress has estimated. CRFB estimates that the reconciliation proposal would re- result in roughly a $1.75 trillion amount of borrowing from the federal, for the federal government. It allows them to borrow $1.75 trillion, said Mark Goldwein, Senior Vice President and Senior Policy Director at CRFB. They plan to spend $3.5 trillion with that authority, but they could spend a lot more if they wanted. According to uh, Congressional Budget Office figures, the separate bipartisan infrastructure bill will add over $340 billion to the deficit and cost $400 billion over 10 years. This is just absurd. It's unconscionable. I can't understand how, how people in Congress could vote for this, no matter how far left they are. This is going to leave us and uh, our kids, they're just going to have a, a terrible weight of debt hanging over their shoulders. And if interest rates go up, it's just going to be impossible to pay for. Well, Hunter Biden claimed Russians stole another one of his laptops for blackmail while he was close to overdosing in Las Vegas' hotel room. The alleged incident would mean Hunter lost a total of three computers, the first abandoned at a Delaware computer store. We know about that. The second seized by federal agents, and each is likely to hold sensitive information on President Joe Biden and the embarrassing pictures, videos, and communications of his son. The third laptop still appears to be missing and was taken by Russian drug dealers after they partied with Hunter in Vegas, he told a prostitute in a conversation caught on camera. After filming himself having sex with a woman using his laptop in January 2019, Hunter left the camera rolling as he recounted a Vegas bender in which he spent 18 days going around from uh, penthouse to suite to penthouse suite, sometimes costing $10,000 a night. Hunter's claims, uh, the poss- raises the claims of the possibility that he was targeted as a vulnerable conduit to Joe Biden as part of a foreign intelligence operation. What an embarrassment. This guy needs help. He, say, he claims to be clean and sober at this point, but uh, I quite frankly have my doubts. Just my opinion. Anyhow, we certainly know that uh, Joe Biden is vulnerable to foreign pressure as a result. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music 
and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by, in part by Choice Social. It's a new social networking platform. You can download the app by going to choicesocial.us, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with our state representative, Bob Rommel. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a uh, not-for-profit uh, organization that focuses on K-12 through education uh, reform. I kind of hate the word reform because I don't think you can reform a monopoly, but um, what we're trying to do is stop the indoctrination, critical race theory, uh, the pornography that's in our schools, the uh, undermining of our constitutional values. And we're also huge, huge proponents of... Uh, School choice, parental choice. Yeah. So. Great website. Uh, goflca.com is the website. Goflca.com. And Keith, uh, you and Pastor Rick, the co-founders of uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance, in this past eight years have done a phenomenal job of having influence and good influence on our state legislators, on our governor, as well as our commissioner of education. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. Well, thank you. <clears throat> Absolutely. So uh, the governor has... Uh, said there will be no mandatory masks in Florida schools. He said it's going to be optional. It's going to be up to the choice. It's going to be for the parents, not for uh, bureaucrats at school districts. And uh, I guess some school districts are pushing back. Uh, well, you could actually say eight school districts so far that I'm aware of are being <clears throat> mutinous. It's not just pushing back. Mm. Um, three of them have actually uh, required mask mandate, and the only way to, for a parent to opt out is to get a doctor's um, authorization. Uh, 
just recently, within the last several days, Commissioner Corcoran has sent uh, letters to three of those. That's Leon, Alachua, and Broward so far uh-huh. uh, that were requiring this doctor's certification, so to speak. And uh, what what Corcoran is doing is he's uh, 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 using a, a statute that's on the books. Uh, it's 1008.32 for those that are interested in the number. But it allows the, uh, the commissioner to investigate any county that's not following Florida law or the state board rules, and actually withhold um, uh, that has financial penalties. So uh, he he's threatened to withhold the salaries of the state of the board of education in each of those counties, as well as the the uh, superintendent. Um, so uh, it it's it's a major move forward. Um, I think he's dead serious. I've read the letter to Leon County that was put out three days ago. And um, yesterday at 10.30, they sent one to Broward County as well. Uh, I understand they've also got one to Alachua, although I haven't seen that. Um, but so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. And I would, I would submit that this is being driven by the, by the active um, the instigator, the unions. Yep. Um, uh, we actually have proof in Polk County, although they didn't do a mask mandate, that the unions have got have been working with the department with each of these uh, superintendents uh, to put an MOU uh, memorandum of understanding in place. So, um, you know what's going on is just outright mutinous, and I hope uh, I hope it doesn't become. Uh, you know, I, I refer back to Obama days when he put his red line. You remember, mm-hmm. and then he never did anything. So I believe the governor and, and Corcoran are serious, uh, but they literally have to. To have to pull the trigger on uh, one or two of these counties so that uh, the rest of them understand that this is serious and they're not going to be able to, to continue to, to mutiny. So. Well, I must say that if the superintendent of schools in a particular county decides to enforce the mask mandate anyway at the, at the, at the peril of being paid, I would suggest that person really has a belief in what they're doing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But well, uh, uh, I, I would hope they go one step farther and fire them. You know? <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, but Keith, uh, the devil's in the details. Uh, who cuts the check to superintendents and school boards? Is it the state or is it the county? It's the county, but if you read the way the letter's written, they're going to withhold the, <clears throat> the statute, gives them the opportunity to withhold a significant number of funds. And so they're going to hold the equivalent uh, of the, those funds. Um, so it, it, it's not actually the withholding the check. Yeah, you know, I, su- I suppose the the local school districts could uh, continue to use other funds, although there's quite a bit of control and regulation over that. Um, I see. But, well, that's that's good to know because you know our budget. What is it? One point two billion dollars. Uh, that the uh, those salaries are dropping the hat, quite frankly. So, yeah. Anyhow, I think this is great. I hope the governor uh, holds strong with this, and I believe he will, and it's the right thing to do. You know, the fact of the matter is, kids are, we, one of the ways we eliminate waste in our bodies is through our mouth when we're breathing. Exactly. And yeah. uh, so the, what the mask ultimately does is just keep the waste that are all kinds of, uh, you know, germs and uh uh, bacteria, keep it close to our face and just uh, keep it there for the for the duration of school. That's just not right. Yeah, there's actually a, a, a pretty good way to think about this, I think. Uh, just Let's call them what they are. They're face diapers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> That's exactly right, Keith. Well, uh, anyhow, no no moving here in Collier County. In other words, they're, they're complying? Yes, as far as we know, and I was at the school board meeting this last week, and uh, several of the Several of them spoke up and said, we're not going to, uh, you know, we're welcoming our kids back and we're not going to bully them. And it's up to the parents to decide. And they have, they don't have a, a form. Lee County has a form. Uh, I told you there were eight counties, mm -hmm. uh, five of those counties, including Lee County, Orange, uh, St. Lucie County, Seminole and Gadsden have all got a, uh, uh, the mass mandate is mandatory with an opt out letter from the parents. So my understanding, always, yeah, my understanding is that they, this could uh, invoke the HOPE scholarship. In other words, if parents are unhappy with the decisions of the school board, they could simply say, I want my kid out of the school system, and I want the money to, to pay for private school. Yeah, we, uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, in fact, uh, we, I think we talked about it last week. We were kind of behind getting the governor's attention on using the HOPE scholarship. And uh, uh, a week ago uh, tomorrow, uh, the State Board of Education held an emergency meeting, and it, it had two points to it, and one of them was uh, codifying in State Board rule that if if a child is harassed in any way mm -hmm. uh, over the mask situation, all the parent has to do is document it, and they immediately qualify for the HOPE scholarship. So that's huge. So, Keith, before I let you go, I, I wanted to get an update that you have the challenge right now that's going for the, of course, uh, you're for not-for-profit. Uh, you and the rest of the executives there at the uh, uh, Florida Citizens Alliance don't get paid, not even reimbursed for expenses. So uh, what's going on? Well, we set a target of, of $175,000 to raise over a two-month period between now and the 12th of October. Uh, we had our official kickoff last night. Uh, right now, um, as, as best I can tell, and we're still uh, uh, based on pledges and uh, envelopes of folks that are in, in the mail, so to speak, uh, we're setting right at 100000 bucks. But the really neat part about that is we have a, a, a challenge within that uh, where the Wasi Foundation has given us a $25,000 challenge grant. And so if we raise twenty five of new money, uh, they'll write an additional check for uh, for uh, 25k, and right now we're sitting at about 10k of that 25. So we're we've got a challenge within a challenge, but um, I think we have a really pretty good chance of getting to our goal. And of course, that lets us continue to do everything we've been doing and actually up our up our game some. So that's exciting. Absolutely, and of course, every dollar counts. And uh, what if you believe in what? Uh, Keith and the Florida Citizens Alliance are doing, and I certainly do. I hope you'll go to the website, GoFLCA, and make a contribution. GoFLCA.com. Keith, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, our state representative, Bob Rommel. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. 
enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board, and just one of the programs is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our state representative, Bob Rommel. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. So, uh, my dog, Ginger, says good morning also. Yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> thank you, Bob. So I, I really was uh, interested in getting your viewpoint on what's happening nationally here. We're seeing uh, what I consider to be an encroachment on our First Amendment rights. We're seeing... Uh, the consideration of national mask mandates for schools. The, the president is pressuring companies to uh, require uh, vaccinations. Uh, just want to get your general thoughts on what's going on. Well, you know, Bob, obviously COVID, nobody would think they would be around for, you know, a year and a half now. And, you know, the divide keeps happening. And most of it is coming from government. And it's not based on science. You know, currently now in America, about 65% of Americans have had at least one shot. And if you've um, had the vaccine, you know, the risk of you dying or becoming seriously ill, like uh, contracting uh, the virus, is statistically almost zero. Uh, so I don't know why they keep pushing for this divide. And for those that didn't want to get the shot, you know, for whatever reason, that's their choice. And, you know, they're the ones taking the risk. So about putting masks on. Uh, so you don't spread the virus is also kind of a little bit misleading. If you want to wear a mask, uh, that's fine. But if you don't want to wear a mask, you're not greatly increasing your chance of getting the virus, even if you have not been vaccinated. Uh, there was a CDC report that showed that they tracked people that had the virus and that did not have the virus and who wore a mask and who did not wear a mask. And wearing a mask decreased your chance of getting the virus about 1%. Yeah. One or two percent, that's what I read as well, Bob. And it's uh, just kind of amazing now that we're finding out that people that have been vaccine, vaccinated 
can spread the virus, as can people who haven't been. So, uh, and then the, the, the test that they used in order to get positive uh, people who, who tested positive for COVID, uh, the PCR test, apparently has been proven to be inadequate. It was once considered the gold standard. And uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, and you know, I think it's about more about being uh, divided uh, people. It's about being bullies. Uh, you know, I do feel bad for our children that for some reason are becoming born. Another, you know, yes, yeah, some children are being infected and some actually get, you know, very sick. But statistically, it's a very, 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 very low percentage. And, uh, you know, so to use uh, these TV reports showing, you know, a poor baby, you know, laying in a hospital uh, that's been infected with COVID when it's only one or two in the entire nation. And I'm sure in the entire nation during flu season, you know, some, you know, babies and infants are infected by that, too. It's it's kind of disingenuous, and I'm not sure what they're doing, but, you know, we they've destroyed the lives of uh, thousands and thousands of businesses across the nation. They're continuing to try to do that, yet large companies, you know, if you look at Moderna, Moderna is uh, one of the drug companies that makes one of the vaccines. Uh, you know, a year ago, this, the company was worth about $10 billion, and it's a moving target, but I know it was worth about $180 billion a few days ago. So it's uh, even companies like 3M have dramatically increased their market cap by billions and billions of dollars. And again, people should get the shot. People should do what they think is being necessary, but we need to stop dividing the nation and uh, having those that are vaccinated and unvaccinated, mask and unmask. Uh, if you're vaccinated, that's the greatest protection you can. And whether the person standing next to you is not, it's not going to, he or she is not going to cause you to be in the hospital. All right. Well, uh, from my viewpoint, I mean, I think the <clears throat> uh, kids need to have their masks off. They need to be able to communicate. Uh, they need to keep these uh, <laughs> face diapers away from you know their face because this is the way that we, we exhale uh, waste from our bodies. So uh, it's just really, really critical that uh, we, we keep the, Good health and the education going forward for our kids. I feel really secure in the state of Florida that our governor is making good decisions. What are your thoughts? You know, uh, I stand 100% with the governor when he uh, said that schools will not mandate masks. And if parents want their children to wear a mask, they could. The, before the COVID, if parents want children to wear a mask, they could. That's You know, parents are supposed to be making decisions, especially for children, uh, not bureaucrats or you know, especially for political reason, um, it, it, it's 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 truly awful what they're doing to America. You know, you you know we, we know they're doing this with COVID. We see it with CRT. We see it with uh, gender issues. You know, we see all these things that are trying to divide America and, and trying to you know have this image that America is a bad place. America is the greatest country in the world, and we have the most freedoms. Uh, we have the most opportunities. Yet. The, the media and the left want you to uh, believe something different. Yeah. You'd mentioned, you know, stock market's been doing okay. And, of course, these are that reflects the uh, success of big businesses. But you'd mentioned small businesses. And in some states, half of the businesses, of small businesses, have actually closed down because of the effects of this COVID lockdown and the, uh, what's happened with the economy. So, uh, and, and the small businesses are the source of most of the new jobs in America. The, they're the source of most jobs, and they're also the best opportunity for somebody to, you know, create wealth. And you know, they're destroyed. I mean, there's restaurants in New York City that you know have been there for generations that are gone, and they're gone forever. I mean, if you lose your job, it's awful. 
Yeah. But if you lose your business, that's your lifelong saving. It's your opportunity to earn your income, and it's gone. It's not because you operated it poorly. It's because the government said people can't go there anymore. Government said it's okay to go to a supermarket. It's okay to go to a hardware store, but it's not a go- okay to go to a restaurant, and they've destroyed those folks' lives. It's uh, criminal. Absolutely. And uh, where was the proof to demonstrate that uh, restaurants were a place that there were a uh, uh, super spreader? <laughs> just are not. I actually saw statistics that said that less than 1% of the people that get COVID get, get it in a restaurant, something to that effect. No, it, it, it wasn't. It was just government picking winners and losers. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's just awful. Ne- never mind these masks now, uh, environmentally. I'm not sure what they're doing to the human body, but you see them everywhere all over the streets, all of their, you know, storm drains. You see them, they're just cluttering up the world and, uh, you know, the progress that we have made, you know, cleaning up the world. I think we went back a bunch of years now. I think you're right. I think I've read something the fact there's tons of masks in the ocean right now, and it's going to take hundreds of years for them to disintegrate. So it's, a, it's, it's really created a problem. We, we have a, a, a virus that may have been started in, vi- in China, and now we're wearing Chinese masks. <laughs> yeah, it's the irony of that, huh, Bob? It's just unbelievable. So, uh, you know, we got into a lot of things. We're moving towards the 2022 election. Uh, how are things looking from your point of view? You, you know, you, you never know. And we'll take, you know, I will concentrate on Florida. You know, you know, Governor DeSantis is, you know, very popular, but... The media across the nation is trying to do a good job now, including the president, to uh, question, you know, his uh, ability to run the state and whether it's good or bad. And we keep seeing these statistics of COVID infection rising in Florida, and it is, and maybe, you know, it's rising because Florida is open and our state's economy is booming and people are coming to visit. Uh, What the media is not showing you that the infection rate has been rising. but the death rate is dropping dramatically. Yep. The seriously ill is dropping dramatically. People on ventilators dropping dramatically too, percentage-wise. You know. Right. So, um, but they're they're not telling you that, um, and they're trying to make it that Ron made a bad decision and that Ron should have locked up everybody like they did New York, which still New York has a lower population, less visitors, and they've still had you know many more deaths than we've had here in Florida. And I'm not saying that they did a bad job or a good job. You know, the virus does what the virus is going to do. And, That's right. Uh, that is... you know, people have to figure out the best way to protect themselves, but locking them up and telling them that they can't go, go on where the life is awful or, you know, requiring them now to wear some type of patch or vaccination passport before they go into a restaurant or a show in New York. They're just destroying. They continue to destroy people's lives. No question, Bob. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate what you do and appreciate you helping us get the word out there thank you so much bob all right coming up seton motley the founder and president of less government we're going to do that and more right here in the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network stay tuned for more of the bob harden show here on the bob harden broadcasting network you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees 
On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889, or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we, we uh, exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and so did America for a while. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's an aspiration, but somehow we're sliding backwards. Uh, it's, golly, I can't even believe that. Three we're sliding backwards down history's razor blade. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so you wrote a very interesting column. China knows big tech hires very few people. Tell us about it. Yeah, what of late. China all of a sudden has turned on its big tech companies. Not, not yet on Google and Facebook and Amazon and all that, but they're domestic. Like Alibaba is the domestic Amazon. They sell everything. Uh, the founder, Jack Ma, is worth about $50 billion. The company's worth about $500 billion. Obviously not as big as the United States companies. Amazon's over almost $2 trillion. But anyway... They started regulating them and looking at them for monopoly practices and all of these things, and people are going, why? What, 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 why are they doing this? And it's because of their culture. And, uh, you know, I, I, had a, I had a commenter on the article on Red State, said this article's idiotic because uh, he, the author wrote, you know, the Chinese care about feeding their people. Well, he doesn't know Chinese culture. They actually do. And, I, you know, I, I, he mentions the famine from Chairman Mao. Well, I mentioned the famine from Chairman Mao, and that's still in living memory for a lot of living Chinese people. Sure it, is. it ended in the early 1960s. But aside from that, over thousands of years, it's been the same territory populated by the same people, and for mo- much of it, most of it, they had a lot of people that they couldn't feed. 
And even now, as, as well as China's done the last 30 or so years, a lot of you know, semi-rural and rural China hasn't seen any of the success that, that we, we, we uh, associate with China. And there's, you know, there's all, I looked it up. There's all kinds of old proverbs, Chinese proverbs. I included one in the article, which is uh, the ruler's something is the people, and the people's something is, is food. Right. You know, I mean, they, they are always focused on food. And, of course, they have 1.4 billion people to feed. Um, more than that now, I think. But anyway, with all that being said, that's why they started stealing manufacturing jobs from us, specifically and around the world, is they wanted to create, you know, this is a, this is a worker's paradise that actually modernized and embraced reality more than the communist regime in, in Russia. And, you know, they view it as, if you want to eat, you've got to earn it. Well, the problem with big tech companies is, and the way they view them is, gee, that's an awful lot of wealth consolidation in very few places, very few companies, which that money is, you know, it's, it's, it's the same left-wing argument that is made here with, with, with which I'm coming into greater and greater agreement, which is, you know, if one person's worth $50 billion, you know, that's not as helpful as that money being, you know, we believe in trickle-down, right? Mm -hmm. um, trickle-down economics. If it's consolidated in one person, it's not being best utilized. If it's all consolidated in one company, and, of course, Amazon's killed millions of jobs while creating thousands. Right. Um, and, of course, the other big tech companies, I wrote an article last year, I think it was, where I said, you know, I looked at Google, but it applies to all the big tech companies not named Amazon. Their biggest payroll item is lawyers. Yeah. Lawyers to lobby Congress, lawyers to steal IP and defend themselves. You know, there, you know there's a few very well compensated executives. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, some engineers to keep the, 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 the servers running. And then the rest is nothing. There's no other employees. Yeah. And, and China saw this. China's seen this. And they watched them grow because, you know, they had to have big tech companies because we had big tech companies and they wanted to compete with us. And then their big, big tech companies got bigger and bigger and they realized they're not really contributing to the overall good of the country. So they're turning on them. They're, they're slamming with antitrust stuff and monopoly stuff, and they're starting to raise taxes on them, and they're removing a lot of the, you know, the subsidies and props, government props, cronyism, that they gave them in the first place because they realize that this is not the best allocation of resources is to have a few very wealthy yeah. com companies with very few employees. That's exactly right. And... and the fact of the matter is that uh, they, I think they also had some, a little bit of uh, envy about the amount of wealth that was being accumulated by just a few people. Yeah, well, they, they, of course, you know, there's, you know, if you're the president of a communist regime, you don't want to have a private actor have more money than you. Uh, as we know, the richest person in Venezuela is Hugo Chavez's daughter. Yeah. Um, the only reason it's not Hugo Chavez anymore is because Hugo Chavez died. Um, so yes, there's there is absolutely some of that. Um, it's it's a it's a personal thing for the you know the, the the Chinese Politburo, and it's a it's a it's a country thing where you know if, if uh, yeah, again there's a lot of people in semi-rural and rural China who are still you know 
worried about breaking their rice bowl on a daily basis, looking at Jack Vaughn private jet around the world and going and 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 the, and the political ramifications of that and they're trying to address that which by the way if republicans were smart they would too yeah you know uh i don't know if you're watching mike lindell's uh cyber symposium uh we've been watching it's quite interesting but what is i'm sorry the phone kind of broke up yeah i know i was uh, i was just oh, referenced- mike lindell the uh, my pillow guy yeah so he's yes. he's got the cyber symposium going on and by the way if you haven't watched watch it today it's going to be very interesting but uh okay. Hey, I but, thought you, the phone broke up. I thought you said Michael Dell, the Austin computer guy. My <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, uh, I guess my my point is that uh, the, the showing the collusion between big tech and government is just incredible, and how right. they've. And, and, and this is a point I should have made. It just occurred to me talking to you. How bad is big tech, you know, big business cronyism? If China is nauseated by it at this point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. If China's had enough of it, where the hell are we? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I, right now I can promise you this. The Biden administration is loving it, but it's really... Oh, 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 yeah. And look, Obama was smart. He looked around and said, who are the richest companies? I'm going to crony them up most. Yep. And it was big tech, and he walks out the door... Uh, of the White House and gets a $50 million contract to make movies. He'd made exactly zero movies. Oh, and by the way, since the $50 million Netflix contract, guess how many movies he's made, Bob? None. Zero. (laughs) In three years, he's made nothing. It's a Hunter Biden job. Yeah, unbelievable. So interesting right now. And uh, uh, the problem that we have right now is our First Amendment rights are under attack. I mean, we talk about, you know, well, that seems like misinformation. We're not going to let the viewers see see that. And misinformation simply means it doesn't say it's not the truth. They simply mean it's not agreeing with our well, point of view. Well, my favorite example of, the, of the, the, the quickest turnaround on misinformation of all time was about a month ago where people were getting kicked off Facebook for pointing out, gee, the people with vaccines are still getting sick. Yeah. And two weeks earlier, you were getting kicked off uh, Facebook and Twitter for saying that. And then Fauci walks out and goes, yes, people with vaccines are still getting sick. Two weeks later, it went from misinformation to CDC admitting reality in two weeks. Boy, this is a uh, animal farm all over again, isn't it? Such an unbelievable. Uh, you know, I've always said animal. Uh, you know, everybody talks about 1984. I thought Animal Farm was a more, even more insightful book. I agree. All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. <laughs> yeah. Seat again, the founder and president of Less Government. LessGovernment.org is the website. I'm sitting looking at it right here. And you can find Seton's columns, very informative columns there as well. Also, Less Government uh, on Facebook as well. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government does provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Right. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, it's my pleasure. Uh, from uh, sunny New York State. <laughs> <laughs> we've uh, we've had some pretty nice weather up here. I follow been following hours down there. It's uh, lots of rain, huh? We've had a lot of rain, but it's been uh, you know it's been nice down here. Quite frankly, uh, yeah, we're yeah. we're kind of on a Fred watch right now. The uh, supposed to be coming this way uh, through uh, the the uh, possible hurricane, or it's a, it's a weather event. That uh, could be coming through Florida. We're hoping it looks like it looks like it might go west of us. Number one and number two, it seems to have been reduced in terms of uh, wind down to about thirty-five miles an hour. Yeah, I, I saw I saw that uh, I saw that, and uh, it's probably going to be like the last one that came through. What about a month ago? Uh, it was just just another normal uh, rainy thunderstorm day, you know. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's hope let's hope for the best. Obviously. Right. Well, I know so, you. Yeah, I know you're keeping your ear to the ground with what's going on in Naples, and uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, what's the good scoop? Well, you know, council goes back to to session next week, and uh, I took a quick glance at the agenda, uh, which I which I follow. Um, I should say Chris follows because she she uh, tells me, "Hey, you better look at this or that or the other thing." Even though you're on vacation, it's kind of you're always kind of seeing what's going on, and. Um, I see on their agenda one of the items next week uh, was a, a, an interesting headline of uh, the powers of the mayor, um, which immediately gave me indigestion <laughs> 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 because 
The powers of the mayor are, are, are listed in the charter, Bob. They always have been listed in the charter. We are a weak form of government, which for those that don't know the difference between the weak and, weak and strong uh, uh, government system is if you look at Fort Myers, they're the strong government system. Um, we uh, and the weak mayor system has a city manager and the city manager is responsible for all personnel. Mm -hmm. OK, that's his or her baby. Um, the mayor's uh, responsibilities are to run the council meetings, to it's, it's all spelled out in the charter. Mm -hmm. OK, uh, there are times during a major emergency where uh, uh, the mayor can, uh, you know, has some control. But on an everyday basis, et cetera, the city manager is in charge, OK, of all personnel. In other words, I couldn't go as mayor and demand something of a staff member that's uh that's that's breaking charter rules mm -hmm. so it, i don't know what's going to be uh involved i know the new attorneys that they have i guess they're not new anymore but um uh they came up with some some information on the charter of months and months ago about that it was kind of a hybrid charter which i've never heard in 40 something years and that the mayor has 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 some power um uh, and um it's never really really spelled out so i'm i'm sure that uh it's going to be an interesting interesting meeting to follow next wednesday for sure but i i don't know what exactly that entails if you know what i mean i do know but uh, you know it brings to mind that uh, it, could it be that perhaps uh the mayor is seeking to expand her power in the city <laughs> uh well it, it very well could be the question is, Bob, between you and I um, and, and your listeners and whomever else, is she capable? If that were the case, I'm just simply saying is if that were the case, do you think she's capable of doing that? And I absolutely do not. Yeah. I cannot see her running personnel or having anything to do with that because uh, she just... Um, has enough trouble running a council meeting, much less uh, being a strong mayor. Well, so I don't think that's the case, and I don't think council would uh, would approve that. And you know, you have a council election coming up in uh, in next February, and there's going to be some candidates out there. So I, I don't think this current council would give her any more power than she um, allegedly has right now. Hmm, interesting. So you've had a chance to look at the uh, agenda for the upcoming meeting. What's uh, what's on the horizon for the city council this year? What are the th things they're going to be they're going to be looking at? Well, I, I mean, w one of the things they they're certainly going to be looking at is this. Uh, you know, the budget is 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 up for approval in September. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, they got a from from what I see and what I've read and everything else. You know, they got a thirty three million dollar increase on projects and things that they want to do and whatever. And I I don't. I can't remember the last time I saw a $33 million increase in a budget. So they've got some work to do, and I think they're, they're going to have uh, each department make a presentation um, next week or at a workshop coming up. And um, uh, it, it will be, um, it'll be interesting to see. So, uh, you know, with an election coming up, uh, all of a sudden it's upon you. Um, I don't know whether they, you know, they have a ton of projects out there that they've been you know um they they've been just you know putting one off for another and then another one and they talk a lot but uh not a heck of a lot of action so i don't know whether they've revamped or what's going to happen or it's just going to be business as usual next week when you say 33 million dollar increase uh, uh 
like how, how big a percentage increase is that? What what is the budget? Well, budget. Last time our budgets ran 150, 151 million dollars. That is a lot. That's a big increase. That's a huge um, increase. Yeah, yeah, and that was the preliminary budget that came out. It said there was a thirty-three million dollar um, increase in what they're asking for, and and so it'll be interesting to see what exactly they're going to do with it. That is, you know, and and the taxpayers certainly are going to have something to say, absolutely, without a doubt, unless they're not paying any attention, which also could be, but I doubt that. I think they are. I think they will. So, and and um, you know, again, it'll it'll it will depend, and uh, as I say, with the newspaper and everything else, which we don't have much of. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that the the, uh, the paper. Is so it's it's sometimes the sports section is so thin that I can't actually. <laughs> pull. No, you can't find it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm a, I, I I would say this because I love their sports section. Is I even when I'm in Naples, I buy the I buy a New York Post. They I think they have the best sports um, anywhere. Uh-huh. And uh, you can't. You're right. I mean, in Naples Daily, there is just nothing there. Nothing there. You know, I heard, Burrell, I heard that uh, they uh, had, let me see if I get this right, their, their circulation is down 90% from where it was uh, in, its, in its heyday, and, wow. the, and the number of permanent employees at the Naples Daily News is down to 20. Yeah, well, I knew, you know what, <clears throat> I, knew, I knew that it was way down. Because, you know, I know a few of them that, <clears throat> excuse me, Bob, sure. I know a few of them that are still there, um, but... Like you said, they've moved to Stewart, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's really unfortunate. We should, I think a, a community like this deserves a good paper with a lot of good information, investigative reporting, and so forth. Uh, but uh, that whatever there shows up it seems like they're just taken off of the, uh, uh, you know, off of the USA Today. USA Today, and it's all kind of liberal stuff, and you know, it's just uh, yeah. very bland and not very interesting. Hey, you've been following our New York governor. I have. <laughs> yeah, she was the the, the uh, uh, his replacement was on this morning. She um, <clears throat> very well educated. Um, made a, uh, a very nice statement this morning about she was asked on the Today Show um, about the um, the school system and what she's going to do. And um, she's uh, <clears throat> she's she sounds very well prepared, Bob. I uh, think she's a good choice. Well, that's great. Well, uh, of course, she inherited the job, but the question is, will she be able to keep the job when elections well, come? She, yeah, she wants to. She made a statement that because she was asked, are you going to run uh, next year? And she said, absolutely, I am prepared. And uh, uh, as always, it'll be a wait and see. So interesting. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples, always well-informed and interesting. I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so well, much. Well, Bob, it's a pleasure. Have a great weekend, okay? You as well. Thank you, Bill. Thank well, this is a wrap on on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to have a chance to visit with William Yateman, a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Michael Cannon is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Lots to talk about with Michael. And Dr. Kendrick Johnson will be joining us as well. I have another special guest I'm looking at as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.